This is your host, Vernon Terrell, with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And we're back, and I'm back with my awesome wife, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Good day to you. We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and thought we'd just continue talking about uh, this letter that Paul wrote to this group of believers in Corinth. And we had talked through uh, last week on this idea of uh, Paul chastising him a bit and uh, saying, hey, you're going to court and and don't you know we're going to judge angels? Can't you resolve some of these things amongst yourselves? And he continued uh, the discussion uh, in that same with that same idea. But then he brings us to this point and he makes this very strange statement. And I really wanted to get your thoughts on this in verse 12, because this is what some people accuse those who uh, are really focused on God's grace. They say, oh, God's grace, that's just your excuse for sin, which it's not. But then we come across this verse in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All things are lawful for me. And we'll just stop there for a moment. All things, I can do whatever I want. And I think this is where Paul has made it clear where he said, I'm not under the law. So therefore, all things are lawful for me. The law is no longer um, the thing that dictates my right and my wrong. Mm, so going back to the two trees, uh, maybe when we always have been from the very beginning trying to determine, to determine what is good and what is bad. And now he's saying, well, you're not under that system. You're under the system of life, under the system of grace. And all things are lawful. And by the way, you can do whatever you want. But what does that mean? And what I like to say is uh, when I would work with the inmates uh, in the jail, which I haven't been able to get in there since COVID, but uh, I would say that I'd make the statement. I say, so are you saying that you can do whatever you want? They go, no, no, no. And I said, Yes, yes, you can. And in the words of, a, of an artist that would sing this song, the, one of the most famous Christian artists, they would sing this song. I tell you what you want, what you really, really want. And you tell me what you want, what you really, really. I say, okay, they're not a Christian artist. But let me tell you what you want. You got a new wanter. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you got a brand new heart, a brand new wanter, and you can do whatever you want because you want to do good and holy and righteous stuff. That's why all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. I agree with that. I agree. We have a new uh, heart, a new spirit inside of us, and uh, instead of this external law, that we are under, the Bible says that God has written his law on our heart. Mm. And what that means is now I have this heart that's soft, 
towards the things of God. Remember, the law that God gave is perfect, it's holy, it's just, it's righteous. But when we were under the law, we had no power to fulfill the law. Now that we're not under the law, here's the paradox. Now that we're out from under the law, we have the freedom to fulfill the law just like Jesus did. Jesus came, he didn't break the law, he actually fulfilled the law because the law was actually a shadow of Jesus himself. It was a perfect description of the perfect Messiah. And so we now have the spirit of the Messiah, we have the spirit of Jesus as believers inside of us. And so we are actually empowered to fulfill the law, just like Jesus wanted to fulfill the law. It was actually a descriptor of, of his true character. Um, so can we go outside of that? Can we do things that are outside of the law? We can do it. We know it's covered by God's grace. We know that Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross covered it. But why would I do what I don't really want to do that's not going to be life-giving? So I think we have to go on to the second half of the verse, which these things that are not profitable, when we, uh, when we walk in those things that are not profitable for us, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And there's that idea of, of sin. We can't serve two masters. We're no longer um, slaves to sin. We're not mastered by sin, but when we get entangled in the things that are not profitable, um, boy, it feels like it has mastery over me. And I mm. get sucked back into the unrighteous living that is contrary to who I truly am. And Paul is addressing this group in Corinth, and there was all kind of stuff going on in Corinth. Yeah, the church in Corinth. I mean, that was where the um, temple to Aphrodite was. Mm. And Aphrodite was the goddess of... Uh, yeah, love. Love and passion. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine that that pagan temple, um, it was filled with temple prostitutes. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a whole culture that Paul was speaking to. These, uh, these folks who had come to faith were coming out of a culture where sexual immorality was the norm. The enemy had so twisted up God's intent for uh, what sex was meant to be that he really had to make it clear to them, here's what God's original intent was, and it's still true today. Absolutely. And he's addressing, he talks a little bit about food, and you'll find in some of the other letters that he wrote, food was a big issue back then on what to eat, what not to eat. That was a big indicator of following the law, the law of Moses, He's hitting a lot of topics here. and Let's read that next verse. Let's do it. He says, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God's going to do away with both of them. I feel like this is a little nod back to the Garden of Eden. Mm. What was it that got Eve into trouble? Yeah, that fruit. It was food. Mm -hmm. She uh, And God set it up that he, he allowed the temptation uh, to be the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It, it was manifested in the form of something that you ate, something that you ingested. Mm. And so I think this is a little nod back to the Garden of Eden saying, this is what tripped us all up in the beginning was putting, putting food in our mouth and making it something that was not meant to be. And, and Paul's saying, you know what? It's the issue, it's not about food. No. The issue isn't food. And he goes on to say in that verse uh, 13, yet the body is not 
for immorality. And this is, uh, the, the phraseology I think is so important. He's talking about the design, the design of our body. Our body is intricately designed and it is spirit, soul, and body. They work in unison. And Paul's saying the body is not for immorality. Going to the culture of the day, what's happening in that city? And there was a lot of immorality. He says, but the body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. And this is an amazing thing for this culture, too, is that um, the body is not this evil thing. Mm. The God, the body is meant to be used for righteousness, and it's impacted by what happens to us spiritually is supposed to be demonstrated um, in these amazing bodies that God has given us. And two things. The Lord is for your body, by mm-hmm. the way. The Lord is for it. Your body is not evil, like Michelle said. But also, our body is designed to host the living God, this omnipotent God who literally lives within this body. That's why Paul said, your body is a temple, which we'll see. Your body is a holy temple that is hosting the omnipotent God of the universe. So the Lord is not only for you and for your body, but he is literally, your body is for the Lord. And that omnipotence, right, the Mm. all-powerful God, we are going to see in the next verse, um, that God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his Mm. power, through that omnipotence. So he has resurrection power. And the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is the resurrection power that abides in us Mm. by his spirit today. Do you not know, verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? You're part of not just your own physical body, but you're part of the body of, of the Messiah. So why, if that's true, would you make these members members of a prostitute? Because you're deceived. The only reason you would do that is if you were deceived and thought, first of all, maybe that you have this icky part of you still, that, you know, that your true self would want something like that. Um, Nope, God took out that old icky you, um, crucified it with Christ, as we saw in Galatians 2.20, and gave you a brand new spirit and put his Holy Spirit inside of you. But wait, Michelle, I am a sexual being I am a sexual being, so why wouldn't I go and just express my sexuality with whomever I want because I am fulfilling the goal of being a sexual being? Wow, that sounds like something that... Who told you that? Who told you that you were a sexual being? Whose voice have you been listening to? But why am I not a sexual being? Well, you are a spiritual being, and God has given you this gift of sexuality uh, in your physical body. So the sexuality that we have is not our primary identity, but listen, our gender is part of our identity, um, but it's not our primary uh, identity. Our core of who we are is who we are spiritually. And that's why in scripture it says, you know, that in Christ, 
there's no longer male or female or Jew or Gentile or uh, mm-hmm. all these things are done away with because really the core identity where I truly get life from is not my sexuality. Where I truly get life from is not my career. Where I truly get life from is not my social status. Where I truly get life from is from that spirit place, is that union that I have with Jesus. It sounds so good. It sounds so true about this idea, this concept of being a sexual being, you just want to say, oh, yeah, I'm sexual, I'm a sexual being. But I think the deception or the danger, I should say, is that when we define ourselves as a sexual being, well, what does a sexual being do? Well, it goes and has sex because, well, it's a sexual being. We need to realize that we have, we are designed in such a way that we can enjoy sexu- uh, our, 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 this idea of sex that God designed. And Paul describes how that design works best, which is in this context of marriage between a man and a woman. It, that's the design. But be careful defining yourself as a sexual being because that is just one, that, that little phrase can be will take you down a path that you don't really want to go. It's you're, not your true identity. It's not. You're a spiritual being that lives in an incredibly designed body that that uh, God is designed to enjoy with um, a marriage partner. So that's what God's describing here. That's uh, what Paul's writing about through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse 16. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. That's quoting from Genesis. But the one who joins himself with the Lord is one spirit with him. So we have this beautiful picture that when a male and a female come together in a sexual union, they are one body. But that is actual, actually a, mm-hmm. a shadow of a spiritual truth. This is one of those things where God gives us a tangible to help us understand the intangible of what it means that our spirits are joined together uh, when we come into this union and to this faith union with Jesus, his spirit and our spirit join in one, the way a husband and wife join as one. That is profound. It is. And when we rest in that, when we, when we really embrace what that means, what that union is, and we allow that union to be primary. It's exactly what you're saying, is instead of focusing on the sexual union, on the physical, tangible, let's not walk by sight. Let's be walking by faith as believers and have our primary focus on the spiritual union. When we enjoy that spiritual union, what does that give us access to? Oh, when we, I mean, the omnipotent power of God through our lives. Is what when we can rest in that power and rest in that union. Yeah, I think that's what Jesus is talking about in John 15 of abiding in him, abiding in his love, receiving his strength, his very life, all, all that we need for life and godliness, we receive from him. And so I think sometimes we, we rush past that, but though, that's the deep thing that our, our souls are longing for, the, the thing that's driving us, these needs that we have, the love, mm. the acceptance, knowing that we have value, having a sense of significance and security, all of that comes through our spirits. We get to enjoy it 
in our soul. We get to feel it. We get to know it and experience it. But the place that it, it flows from, that river of living water comes from that spiritual place. When What the enemy wants us to do is flip it, mm-hmm. right? He wants us working from the outside in. Let me get my sense of love from my sexuality. Let me get my sense of value from whether I'm married or not, mm-hmm. whether I have a spouse or not. So the enemy always tries to flip the the direction that God wants things to flow. When it comes to the idea of uh, power, the power in us, in Christ in us, you have the victory right now. You don't have to get any more victory. You have the victory because you have the victor. You have the omnipotent God living in you, and you're joined with him. That doesn't mean, now some will say, oh, that means I'm, uh, I am God because I'm one. No, just like the husband and wife are separate, yet they become one in this very unique way. We are also one with Jesus Christ in union with him, yet I am my own person. God is his own person, yet together we're one, uh, one with him. And we have his power in us to flow through us to experience his life and righteousness and power in our life right now. There's nothing else that you need. There's no program, uh, as we say when we work with those struggling with addictive behavior, there's no program that will set you free. Christ has set you free. The issue is, number one, you don't know it. You're not experiencing it because you're not resting in the freedom where he set you free. And that is a journey. It's a journey of uncovering the lies that you believe, the deception that is that uh, you've hold and held is true. Over time, God will uh, reveal those lies to you so you can peel them back for what and see them for what they are. And then you can believe the truth and cast those lies aside and rest in the love and grace and power that is already yours in Christ. Now, he tells us something after he says, hey, in verse 17, the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with them. How do we join ourselves to the Lord? By faith. By faith. Simply receiving uh, receiving that gift of salvation. It happens right there instantaneously at that moment of salvation. And But we're told to do something. He said, what do I need to do? Well, you don't need to do anything to get any more righteous, but we do have some clear directions from Scripture that tells us to do certain things. Why? Because it is not profitable. It's not profitable for you. It's not going to go well with you. you, you on are, this. You're not going to get a, a good ROI on that investment. Exactly. You definitely want to do. What Paul says is this directive, flee immorality. Why? To get more righteous or to be for God to like you more? No. no, it's not profitable. It won't go well with you. He loves you. He wants you to experience his joy and his peace and everything that is yours in Christ. So he goes, flee immorality. And I think he's saying flee with the strength that you have within you, which mm. is the strength of Christ in you. Remember, we have the resurrection power of Jesus inside of us. So this isn't just a grit your teeth and walk away from it mm. in your own strength. This is you literally have the life of Jesus inside of you, empowering you to walk away. In our culture, um, 
and, and as humans, we have this tendency to say, how close can I get to the edge before mm-hmm. I fall over the edge? How close to immorality can I get? And I remember when we were in our dating uh, and mm-hmm. in our engagement phase of our relationship uh, just a few weeks ago. We've mm-hmm. just been married for seven weeks now. And um, we really had great conversations about we're not trying to see how close to the edge we can get. Um, we want to flee immorality. How far away from the edge can mm. we set? What are what are all the things that we get to enjoy that really glorify God and honor God in this season? That is not seen. Uh, we're, we're not trying to to dance close to the line. Right, and and the reason I think Paul uses that word flee because our bodies are so incredibly powerful, and God's designed them in such a beautiful way that. As we get closer to certain things, whether it's food, any of the appetites, whether it's sex, our body is so powerful, it can really almost take over. Draw It draws us in. Well, it's interesting you say that, just as you think of, you know, when you smell uh, mm-hmm. fresh baked bread. Ooh, it's oh, it's hard mm. not to take a, a bite of or that. Or the bacon we were cooking, it just fills the house. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, where is that? And you, you're drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And we're told here, look, the body's powerful. Don't mess around. It's not good for you. This is not profitable. Flee. Get out. Flee immorality. And he continues, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Now, do you think that this is safe to say that the opposite is true? When you are inside of that marriage union, mm. a husband and wife, that um, sometimes we have, we still have the, this programming in our mind. We've heard so many sermons, you know, yes. it sounds like sex is bad. Yes. It sounds like I need to flee sex. And then it's hard to sometimes let the guard down and say, oh, okay, now I'm inside the good. parameters. This is actually the, the place that God designed it for. I think Satan... Uh, is really, he does the one-two. He tries to get you before you're married to get you closer together and to get you to to really have sex outside of design. But once you're married, he does the, he flips it. There's the guilt and the shame. The guilt, oh, that's bad. What are you doing? He wants to drive you apart. Man, it's so devious. So it's the crafty, that crafty it devil. Is. Yeah. It is. And he. so the idea is every that every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body, against the design of your body. So this is what's so cool. The the next phrase here, do you not know, and you mentioned this earlier, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. Don't you know that? That you have the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So why would you join yourself physically to someone who's not your spouse? That's not the picture of, of what God is showing us of mm-hmm. the foreshadowing, the, the beautiful picture of Jesus and his, and his church. But if you're inside your marriage, my goodness, what a beautiful way to express the Holy Spirit inside of you is coming together husband and wife. And that should be, that's joyful. There should be no shame. If you're experiencing shame, there's issues and that you should deal with and talk about it. The best thing you could do is talk to your spouse. Um, come together in body, soul, or spirit, soul, and body, where you talk spirit to spirit and soul to soul 
to help release some of the shame, to come together in acceptance and love. And it may be baby steps. I don't know what that will look like for you, but you want to come together uh, open, or as we say, naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I love also about this verse in verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know your body is a temple and that temple is holy? That's right. Your body is a holy temple housing the Spirit of God. Your body is good. Your body is not evil. Your body, uh, God likes your body. And do you know, if you need to clean up your body, that's okay. If you want to work on your body, that's fine. You don't want to make it the focus. You don't want to be all upset and obsessed with your body, but it's perfectly okay to fix up the temple. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Your body's not evil, so don't think it's evil. Your body is good. All right. He's going to wrap up this chapter um, with this concept here. He says, don't you know um, that you are not your own? You are not your own because, verse 20 says, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What is the price that was paid for our redemption? I mean, it was the death of Jesus Christ and his body was yeah. broken for us. Mm, body for a body. body so his body. body endured the the suffering, the torture on the cross. And the shame. And the shame being paraded around naked around Jerusalem on his way to the cross, hanging there naked. So he was physically broken for us so that we physically can glorify God through our bodies. But I think this is so powerful here. There's another hidden gem that we have been bought with a price, that we have great value. What did mm. we do before Jesus paid that price? Did we clean ourselves up? Did we try to uh, do some self-improvement for God to say, okay, now you've cleaned yourself up a bit. Okay, now I'll die for you. Mm, that's such a deception that goes, I think, uh, even in the church and unintentionally perhaps, uh, maybe with good intentions, but where this idea that we have to be willing to stop sinning to and or to turn away from every sin before we can receive Jesus. And, you know, Jesus says, no, there's not enough turning away you can do. Uh, you need to come as you are and say, Lord, here I am right now in all my mess, and I receive your forgiveness for all of this that I've done that I'm doing and that I have yet to do, I receive your forgiveness and your life because he's going to take that you, that old you, and he's going to crucify all of it on the cross and he's going to bury it and he's going to raise up a brand new you to join with him in union in righteousness and holiness. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. It's not, it's not, you know, okay news where you have to clean up first and get right before you can be right. You come as you are and say, Lord, here I am. He does the job he of making it. us right. It's not our righteousness. It's not our cleaning ourselves up. It is his righteousness that he pours into us. And when we rest in that, boy, does that transform us. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus. So the issue of my worth was settled at the cross. You want to know what you're worth? You're not worth your income. 
You're not worth what's in the bank account. You're not worth what the value of your home is today or what car you drive, what purse you carry, Mm. what brand of sunglasses you wear. None of those things determine your true value. Those are perceived values, but your true worth was settled at the cross. And you know what? can't do anything to undo it. You can't add to it Mm. and you can't subtract from it. You can't mess anything up to, to lower your actual true worth. Mm. So go be who you are and glorify God in your body that God happens to like. So I want you to like your body and go glorify God in your body. If there's things that are not profitable, well, then you can say, God, would you give me the grace and the power to, uh, to stop these things that are not profitable? Reveal those to me and then reveal the righteousness and the power that is in me so I can walk in profitable things. And if God has some areas uh, in your body or in your life that that he wants to change that or not that he reveals that are not profitable, then just receive those insights from him and begin to understand what is profitable, what is not, and then ask God to give you the power and the grace to walk in what is profitable and change what God reveals for you to change. Little steps, little steps. And that's why we say, often we say, oh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go be kind and I'm gonna go love. Oh, I need to exercise. I need to lose weight. I need to, and we do a lot of talking. Well, you know what? God has given you the power and grace where you can, Stop talking about all these things. And by his power and his love in you, you can take steps and just start walking in the truth, walking in who you are, walking in this incredible body that God has designed. That's what I want you to do today. I want you to stop talking about all these things and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.